0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. All right, so joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is former MSU Diamond Dog Wes Ray down there on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi trying to stay busy with all this quarantine. I'm glad you had time to join us today and talk about what, for my money, is... I said this yesterday to Joel that before the the game this last uh, June in, in Omaha, the game against Auburn, this was the craziest ending to a baseball game. That I could remember in terms of just, you talk about the, the record crowd, you talk about, you know, the the way that the the, the game ended and everything else that was involved. It, it's just, it, it's some unimaginable stuff. Let's just start with that crowd. You know, I think you guys have to be aware that there was going to be a big crowd. Super Bulldog weekend, Ole Misses in town. You knew it was going to be a big crowd, but when you first got your look, you know, walking out onto the field, were, were even you impressed that, gosh, there are a ton of people in here?
1: To be honest with you, it started way before I walked on the field, you know. I mean, you talk about the year before hosting a regional, and that by far was the just craziest atmosphere from as soon as you got on campus. And then, so I mean, I got to experience that in 2013, and then, you know, you're thinking, you know, a regional, super regional type atmosphere is about as good as you could come up with, but, you know, even driving to the field that day, it was just, the traffic was crazy. We had the parked somewhere differently because of the traffic. And so, I mean, you started getting those feelings that it was going to be a pretty unbelievable atmosphere as soon as you got on campus, to be honest with you.
0: When you look at this game, you know, I had forgotten that you had the first RBI in this game. That you it out to center and then that scored uh, Seth Heck made it one nothing. You guys take a 2 nothing lead in the third. Ole Miss comes back up to tie it in the fifth. And it's a 2-2 game uh, going into the to the 10th inning. It's just been sort of back and forth, you know, and you've got, you know, Nobody seems to have the advantage. Just what? What are your memories of like? what will just say the first ten innings of this game when it was just two to two and sort of going like that.
1: It was just a typical rivalry game, you know. I mean, no matter how good or bad either of us ever are, you know, it just seems to be such a competitive game, especially with that crowd. I mean, the, to be honest with you, you know, the at bats start to fade as the years go on, but you know. The, like you said, and kind of what you mentioned already, the crowd's just something that I don't think I'll ever forget.
2: Well, the Egg Bowl obviously gets a ton of, you know, media coverage and whatnot. And, uh, you know, state Ole Miss basketball, big rivalry there. It's a big rivalry whenever state plays Ole Miss. Take me through, I mean, a lot of times in baseball, you guys grow up playing, you know, summer ball together and knowing everybody and, and things like that. And, I guess I would ask. I know for the fans, this rivalry is humongous in every sport. For you guys in baseball, when you play Ole Miss, is it is it just as intense for you all as it is the fans, or is there a little bit of a brotherhood there because you know some of these guys from from playing you know summer ball, travel ball, whatever.
1: Right. No, that's a great question, and and you're right. It actually does start long before we actually get to college. You know we end up knowing several guys that are playing there of course and you know as you grow older the stereotypes kind of start to become true of both schools you know so then people that may have been your friends or just family, friendly competitors you know when they decide to go there and then obviously you decide to go to mississippi state i mean you, you kind of start thinking about them differently you know just because of that rivalry and then you get to school and you get on campus and you, and you really get that feeling of how serious it is you know so you get to school and you're like, man, these people, I mean, this really is a big deal, you know. And then you get on the athletic field and you're like, yeah, we we can't lose to these guys. <laughs> There's just too much pride involved, you know. And it becomes, the rivalry special to me because it becomes so prideful of the fan base, you know, to know that everybody sitting in those seats really wants us to beat those guys a little bit more than any other game we're playing, you know.
2: Yeah did you have some did you have a friend uh, you, Were you close with anybody on this Ole Miss team back in twenty
1: fourteen? Um man, there was a ton of I mean, to be honest with you, you have to go through the names and I played them. I, there's several that I have played yeah. against. Nobody that I that I played with per, per se. Um, actually, the one Houghton Buchanan, he's from the Coast. He was a pitcher on that team. Um, that's one that I grew up with. You know being from the coast, but, you know, several of those guys were friendly competitors growing up.
0: And you have an interesting perspective of, of the MSU old Miss rivalry because you were recruited for football as well, and I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually had an, a visit with Hugh Freeze at one point,
1: right? Yeah, I actually have a, a crazy story, and I guess we can roll the tape and we can play it if you think it's Let's it's, go! Okay. But, um, so... Um, this is this is probably one of my best football recruiting stories, actually. So, you know, I was getting recruited heavily by Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen was here. It was at State at the time, and this is my senior year. And um, I signed my national letter of intent to play baseball. You know, I've kind of told these guys, you know, man, I'm done. I, I'm I'm playing baseball, and so legally, schools cannot continue to recruit you once you sign a national letter of intent to some degree you know they can't come see you all these things well they still were trying to get me to play football because they couldn't believe that a 6'5 290 pound high school kid was really going to play baseball i don't think they really believed it yet so they were the recruiting continued on so dan mullen but the state you did sign you know i could continue to recruit you because you're going to that university but Dan and his crew, um, Manny Diaz was living in Haverty. Of course, you know they were still recruiting me heavily, just trying to sway me to do both at least. Um, so he's come to see me. He tells me, "Hey, I'm going to be on the coast recruiting. Um, coming by. I'll be by the high school to see you. At, you know, ten o'clock or whatever. Make sure you're in the field house." So I know he's coming. So about nine thirty, I get a call from my coach. Step outside the class. You know, that's kind of how that happened back then. A coach is here to see you. He's like Wes, it's Houston Nut and um, you know his crew. And I'm like, well, coach, I didn't think they were allowed to, you know, recruit me or see me or anything like that. He's like, well, they're really not, but I, I gotta let them. You know, they, they had to tell me they had to let you know they were here at least just to give you the option. So I'm like, oh man. So I text Mullen, and I tell him Houston Nutt's here. He's trying to get me to come to his office. He said – and then he uh, just said, well, I'll be there as soon as possible. Try to keep him there. So I don't know if, I don't know if Dan was going to try to get there and catch him in the act of um, whatever legality that may have been. But it just put a, puts an 18-year-old kid in a tight spot to, to decide what you do right there. So that's a pretty good story that, that I'll never forget. Yeah, and
0: I misspoke. I said freeze. I forgot, yeah, that you would have been when Nutt was still at Ole Miss. I can't believe Ole Miss may have committed a recruiting violation, Wes. I can't I just yeah. can't
1: believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I think Dan was trying to catch him in the act. That, that it was, uh, it actually got pretty intense for for a little bit cuz I'm you know I'm walking to the field house thinking man are they really going to show up busting coach's office right now you know <laughs> it's like he was trying to set up a crime scene and put me in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's you know. good stuff.
2: Uh, it, it's like when the police try to get you know these random innocent people to uh you know <laughs> buy drugs or something. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, a sting yeah. operation. <laughs> yeah. You were, part, you were, you were the, uh, the
1: undercover in a
0: sting
2: operation,
1: basically. Exactly. I was the bait at 18 years old. Uh, like <laughs> crazy ordeal, you know? I got
0: you. Well, let's get back to this game a little bit here. I think the most surprising part of this game, not that Ole Miss made a comeback and was able to take the lead, but that it was Jonathan Holder that gave up the lead. You know, the guy has been so solid his whole career. And, and he just, did, for whatever reason, there in the tent, it just got away from him. There, you're sitting there at first base, and you know you normally thinking, "Man, I might not even see the ball because Holder's just going to strike everybody out." When you see your 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 closer struggling like that, what 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 do you do? Do you go out to the mound? Do you want to try to have a word with them? What what goes through your mind?
1: Um, I had a really good relationship with our pitchers because number one, I got I actually got recruited to be a pitcher at Mississippi State, so. I've always had a background of working with the pitchers and Butch because, you know, he recruited me, actually. So I had a great relationship and I always tried to run to the mound and, you know, calm a guy down or just talk, whatever the situation may be. But, I mean, definitely. But in that situation, Jonathan Holder has been there, done that. You know, it was just kind of one of them things. Hey, it is what it is. Let's get in there and try to score some runs for him. But, you know, it is definitely a shocker. You're not used to that. I think that may happen happened maybe two times my whole career when Jonathan Holder was on the mound, so yeah. it is a little bit of a shock, but just like anything, you just get back in there and try to score some runs, and you actually got a little more fire in you to, to not let him have that blown save on his record just because of who was on the mound. You
0: know? Yeah, and when you think about, you know, for me, at working in the media, I can remember some of the crazy crowd moments when everybody's going nuts and cheering. But by that same token, I don't remember Noel ever being more quiet when Sykes Orvis hits that home run and when he crosses plate, the, the Ole Miss players all yell, boom. And I'm telling you, you could hear it echo through the stadium. Everybody was just they were just shell shocked at that point. How to, you know, for, for fans, obviously, it's one thing, but for players, how hard is it to shake that off where you're just like, Oh gosh, now we're down, you know, three runs at this point. We got we gotta get this going. Is it is it something that, you know, as a player, hey, this is part of it. We're we we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna win this game. Is it just is it just that quick for you?
1: It is. I mean, obviously it's a little more magnified in that atmosphere, but it's just you You just kind of roll with the punches, you just that's what you have to do. and um you know, in that atmosphere, you kind of kind of like I said, like the fire into you to, to come back and, and try to try to win the game in front of that crowd because I mean, at that point, you're like man we we just let fifteen thousand plus people down. <laughs> you know that was a terrible film <laughs> that I'll never forget. so actually, I mean, that's kind of the mindset, just like any other moment, just a little more magnified.
2: Before we get to this bottom of the tent, i I'm going to take you back for just one second. You mentioned you you were recruited as a pitcher. Why did you never see the mound? Uh, when, when did that change? What what were those conversations like? Was that was that a you call or was that a uh, well a them call?
1: <laughs> well, it was a it was actually a, an injury call. So I mean, I actually had labor surgery. My. Um, Senior summer coming to mississippi state that was a big reason behind me red shirt and i mean i didn't even pick up a ball to throw the whole fall of 2010 i guess it would be um so i mean i was really delayed with that and then because of that i could actually still swing the bat couldn't throw so really just working on you know my hitting and just kind of evolved and you know it worked out so where we really first base was really open you know my shirt freshman season um and it just kind of it kind of worked out to where I was our starting first baseman freshman day, red shirt freshman year, and it, was, it just kind of stuck, and I was the guy, and we just kind of put pitching in the rearview mirror ever since and, and to be honest with you, I don't think my arm ever got right again um it was just it was really just kind of bothered me throughout my whole college career actually, so it was just it was something we never really revisited simply because of the injury and the surgery.
2: Oh. And second thing here, i got to ask, we, we talked about Sykes Orvis, we talked about the home run. You were a guy that I don't think I ever saw without facial hair. What were your thoughts on the Sykes Orvis mustache?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I mean, you know, it's great. Actually, Sykes <laughs> is actually a great guy. You know, we actually had a pretty decent, friendly relationship on the yeah. field, just being, you know, <laughs> the two big first baseman kind of deal. So, um, you know, you, you respect him, but at the same time, it kind of puts a little chip on your shoulder to, to you know, maybe shut him up, or just try to do something about it. You know, kind of just puts that edge on on things a little bit. But it was pretty nice, I got
0: to say. <laughs> so let's go here into the bottom of the tenth. Uh, you know, first first batter is uh, Bradford, and he, he flies out. Uh, CT Bradford, uh, and then you get Cody Brown to pinch hit for Reed Humphreys, which you know is a little surprising. You know, from my standpoint, because Humphreys was such a good hitter. But obviously, you know, they make Cohen makes the decision to to go to Cody Brown, and he delivers. He, he delivers a double. Uh, then Seth Heck doubles him in. and You've got a you know, man on second. This is the point in the inning for me where I'm starting to think, if they can get somebody else on, they can get to Wes. And, you know, and you're, you're, the, you're the guy that, who could change the game with one swing at that point. You're, 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 you're probably not even out of the dugout yet. You're just you know, waiting your turn. Are you starting to think the same? Like, man, if things get a couple more guys on, I, I can be at bat and I can, I can win this.
1: Yeah, I mean, those situations, guys, I mean, those are the situations you dream about when you're a little kid. I mean, even if you are, I think I would have been fifth or sixth, or probably sixth coming up in that order, if I, I mean, if I remember right. So, I mean, you know there's a chance, but obviously, you know, you know two three guys got to get on base. So, that's a moment that you you got to be ready for. So, I mean, obviously, I was preparing mentally in the dugout, but then, as you said, you know, hit here, hit there, and you kind of start thinking, all right, here we go, I'm going to have a chance at this. And then you start running situations through your mind, you know. I mean, if I do get to the plate, here's what the situations could be. And, you know, just try to make sure you're ready for it.
0: And, and then sort of like you were correct, by the way, you were, you were going to be sixth. Detts reaches on an error. Uh, so that, that advances Heck to third. And then Purtle comes up. He, he lines out, but that allows Seth Heck to score. And now it's a one-run game, and you're at the plate with a man on. I guess he should have been on second at this point. He might have still been on first. Uh, and Alex Detz. You hit the first pitch, and you know that it's not out. But and you might have even thought it was going to drop. But in your in your wildest dreams, did you think that the guy in right was going to dive for that ball?
1: I didn't. I actually think the guy was on first. It's kind of why you know him diving for it was was even more unexpected. You know, you yeah. trying to keep that guy on the base path. You know, and um, I mean, obviously, I didn't hit the ball well. It was just kind of just like a, you know, just kind of like a bloop job in the right field. And you know, I'm you know, I got a perfect view of what he's doing running down the first baseline. I mean, I can just still remember him laying out for it and it wasn't even really that close no. and rolling by <laughs> It was not you know, and I am just thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, he's gonna score. And then yeah. guys after that that's just kinda of one of those moments that just the you know, the crowd just is kind of just deafening at a certain yeah. point. You don't even you know, you don't even hear anything at that point and I can just remember taking a deep breath and just kinda of looking around after it. And it was just—I mean, I can still see the pictures in my head. Just you know, cowbells ringing and yeah. <laughs> people jumping on the fence. I mean, it was one of those moments where you just—you know—it's going to be a picture in your memory for a long time.
0: Yeah, you know, for me being up in the press box when you hit it, I thought, okay, that's got a chance to drop. And then I saw him coming in, and I was like, well, okay, they're going to have what first and second here, and and yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. Exactly, and exactly.
1: That's kind of the best case scenario. That's the there, smart
0: yeah. play. And then he when he right. hit when he lays out, I mean, it's one of those things like you say—it sort of goes slow in your head. I can remember yeah. thinking, "What?" <laughs> and yeah. The ball hits the ground, and then it just sort of goes from there. So now we've got a tie right. tie ball game. It's five to five, and like you said, the place is going. It's just an absolute madhouse at, at this point. Right. Why would they pinch run for you?
1: <laughs> Man, I always ask them that question. I, you know, I always when we go back and think about it, I always remind me that I'm one for one stolen bases in my career. I That's right. <laughs> so. Perfect, thousand percent on stealing basis, or so, hundred <laughs> percent on stealing basis. So. But um, obviously, the smart play there was being the winning and run, and then you know you then immediately direct your attention to you know freshman Gavin Collins coming to the plate.
0: Yeah, which he I mean, exactly.
1: that's a huge right. spot
0: for a freshman there.
1: And is, you know, especially with a slider heavy heavy pitcher on the mound, mm-hmm. you, you know what's coming. You know, and I just thought, you know, that that kind of made Gavin take a leap in his career right there for sure because that was definitely a big moment. When,
0: when he makes contact with the ball, what what's the first thing that blows through your head?
1: I'm just thinking no matter what, you got to send him. You know, Matthew, you know, Matthew Britton's running. You know, he can run good. You know, you're just praying the ball gets through, and then you know if the ball gets through, you know, we're sending him. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's just meet, meet him at the plate and see what the call is. So um, yeah, I mean you just you just in those situations you're just sending that guy. And so you know it's kind of like ball game. Here it is, you know get ready.
0: Is this the craziest game you ever played in?
1: Um, God, it, it the atmosphere as far as being at home definitely special. I mean definitely a top three. But you know the, some of the moments in Omaha may may rank a little higher. But from a duty noble field, you know Mississippi State. Perspective. There's no question. I mean, you know, there's more, there's more moments in that game than I can remember in most other in all other series, besides yeah. maybe Omaha. My whole career.
0: It was it was a, a tremendous uh, spectacle to watch. Just from my perspective, I can't imagine what it was like. Uh, to play in it. So a lot of fun to, to relive this with you, Wes. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much, man. Anytime you want to come back on, give us the holly. Anytime you want to talk, you can talk about whatever you want. Too. If you got any more g- good <laughs> good stories about getting old Miss in trouble, we're down for that. Hunting, fishing, we'll talk about it, man. <laughs> All
1: right, guys. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I appreciate you. Appreciate what you guys do for Mississippi State.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it.
1: All right, guys. Bye. A Super Talk
0: Mississippi <laughs> media production.